You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. It's pretty cold, so the fingers are not quite warmed up for the guitar playing, but... I also think we've gotten closer as it's gotten colder. (laughs) We have. We're sitting very close to one another. I mean, we're in Orlando, and it's... It's like almost 60 degrees out there. Oh my goodness. I got hot chilies on. But uh, you're listening to Fed by Ravens. We're glad you're with us. It's day 349 and 350. Oh. This is getting nuts. We're so close. Uh, as you know by now, we have been going through, and it's actually a really helpful way to approach this, reading the Bible in a year, not trying to get every answer uh, that we need from it or try to solve every mystery, but just follow the story. Mm-hmm. And that's been uh, pretty amazing because it turns out the story is very clear and consistent and beautiful. Right. So let's get into our last prophet in the OT. Our Old Testament reading for today is the book or letter of Malachi. Yeah, and so Malachi just means... My messenger. My messenger. Also could be angel, but we go messenger, which makes sense. Some people believe that he was uh, just, the author was a priest himself. Yeah. And uh, he comes, basically, he comes at uh, 430 BC. Mm -hmm. Now this is interesting because that's about 15 years after the temple or the walls are complete. So here's what I figured out, man. Yeah, yeah. The temple, the second temple, is recreated yeah. in 516 BC. Mm-hmm. The walls are complete. It takes 71 years before the walls are complete, and Jerusalem is like a safe city again. Yes. So that's another 71 years. That's yes. amazing. But then he comes 15 years later. Yes. So they've been living now for about 15 years in the restored Jerusalem mm-hmm. with its walls and its temple. And so he comes to purify the priests. Mm-hmm. So this message, he's the messenger to say, hey, the hot white core of the people of God begins with the priests who present God's people to God and God to his people. Mm-hmm. And so we got some issues. We should be already insecure, mm-hmm. but here's the fear. Whenever uh, something is given back or you've experienced a miracle or something good has happened in your life, there's a cycle and sooner or later, you start asking yourself, wait, am I messing this up the way I did last time? Right. Is this happening again? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes. Yeah. The corruption that we uh, suffer in our condition of sinfulness does just in its very nature have this cycle of death. We're always fighting rust and moth and destruction and theft. And so even the people of God, after enduring exile, thanks to Esther and mm-hmm. Daniel and God has been so gracious and restored them. Here they are back. And now God's been gracious. Hey, I've given you 15 years since everything's been done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've protected you. And you're about to do the same thing. Yeah. You're turning from me. And the question throughout this book is, he, he poses the question. And, and the people he's talking to always say, how? How have we done that? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Which is what we do. Right. When God says, hey, you need to change. Why? How? You've done bad. How have I done bad? I've been better than him. Mm-hmm. And so the order of this book begins with, um, look, the Lord has loved you, and you haven't loved him back. Right. Like It starts off with God's unconditional love for his people, and he uses the example of 
Jacob and Esau. Right. And he's like, look, I chose Jacob just because I chose him. And Esau, I cast away because I chose you. I chose you to be my special people. And I just love you guys and unconditionally. And you have only turned away from me. Right. And so they're going, but how? How have you loved us? Mm-hmm. And he says, look at Edom today. Right. I, I love them, but they turned away, but they're not my chosen people. And where are they now? They're destroyed. You Babylon wiped them out. Right. You should have been. You came out of Babylon. Mm-hmm. So that's how I love you. You guys have rebuilt your city. And Edom will never rebuild their city. So this is to the priesthood, and they go, and God says, you've not honored me. You've, in fact, you've despised me. And they're like, how? Well, you've polluted your offerings. So you guys are the priests, and you're bringing the worst, the blind and the broken animals to sacrifice to me. Right. You wouldn't even give that to the governor. Like if the governor of this of, place... Of Persia. Of Persia, yeah. If Xerxes asked for something, you would give him the very best. Right. You're dishonoring me. And, and he's saying, look, um, you basically you're acting in... You're weary. You're, you're so tight, which means you don't believe it matters. Right. You're back in the land and you're like, whatever, this is just another God. And so God says, uh, I'm going to have to curse you. If you don't turn this around, yeah, it it gets pretty intense. So what's happening here is um, everything's kind of reset up. They're trying to figure out uh, again. The surrounding nations are not too thrilled that they're back, and so they are experiencing um, some skirmishes and uh, persecution from the surrounding nations. But they are under like Persian protection right now. And uh, but one of the things that they're the people are doing is they're giving the worst of their uh, flocks to offer up as offerings because they're still operating under the we need to save ourselves yes. mentality. And the priests, whose job it is to serve the Lord and um, dictate what is a good and acceptable offering to the Lord, they are allowing and praising yes. the people for bringing these bad offerings before the Lord and taking them because this is how the priests get paid. Mm-hmm. And so the priests recognize in their own humanity, in their own uh, desire to save themselves, going, um, if we don't take even the bad offerings, we will have nothing. So we'll just take it and we'll give you guys a blessing. Well, and then he says at the end of chapter one, um, cursed be the cheat who has made or who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me of Ananias and Sapphira when they promised to give the best. Oh, they, yeah. They promised of their own. They didn't even have to. They said, yeah. we're going to give all the proceeds from this sale of the land because mm-hmm. they want to be like Barnabas and then lied and gave a portion. And when you read that out of the context without the Old Testament, you're like, what is God doing in the New Testament? Because they both died immediately. Mm-hmm. But you realize God is rebuilding his kingdom and mm-hmm. it will not be set up by a, a center of leaders who withhold who lie mm-hmm. and cheat. Right. So then it goes into, so that's kind well, of... And then God also does say, like, I'm setting up something that my name will be praised throughout yeah, all the nations. And the same thing in the church in the New Testament. Yeah. yeah so we like, don't build it on the corrupt systems of government, of mm-hmm. bribery and, and withholding. Right. But then it kind of, so that's kind of a general blast at the priesthood. Yeah. But it gets a little more specific in chapter two it where does. he actually re- rebukes the priests. Mm-hmm. 
And to break it down, I mean, basically, he's like, you had a covenant of life and peace given to Levi. Yes. And you've messed it up. Right. You've actually broken it so that you deserve death and being cut off. Right. He even says, like, you are receiving these uh, bad offerings and you're blessing the people. I'm going to turn your blessings into a curse over the people. Right. So, like, they would, when they give the offerings, they would announce, may the Lord bless you and keep you. He's like, I'm going to turn that into a curse because you're not, you're, your heart isn't in this. And then... Um, Which is funny because the priests are supposed to, yeah, they're, as they're supposed to reveal God, they're actually corrupting and they're causing many people to stumble right. and not know and break the covenant. Right. And dismiss the value of God and, and his provision. So he's, they're allowing the people to deny God's provision for them. And then he's like, uh, you've corrupted this even further Mm -hmm. because many among you, many of the priests who, again, one of the things is the priests are supposed to be the, the ideal representative for the people before God. Right. And so one of the big things is marriage. Yes. And they're supposed to have, uh, be married to faithful women who are committed to the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. And what's happening now is now that they're back, many of the priests are divorcing their wives, their Israelite wives, and marrying the foreigners yeah. in the land because they like them better. Right. And which the correlation there goes to um, you're messing up the word of God, but you're also messing up the, the worship of God. And so right. you've broken the marriage vows between you and God you've, and you've become idol worshipers because yeah. that's what happens when you marry at this point in history when you marry and even today if you marry someone who does not worship God the mm-hmm. chances of you maintaining that strong faith and in opposition to whatever she or he worships right. is very slim and so idolatry is then crept into the people of God once again again this is a a three a, at least the third, fourth time. I mean, it's happened every generation. God's been saying this from the beginning. Yeah, and then if you just think of, like, even, like, a practical application of, like, a pastor being married to an atheist, like, you're going and preaching the word of the Lord, and then you're going home to someone who consistently denies the reality of God. Like, it it makes it hard it, to minister. It, and it's not, like, hard in the way that we're like, what? We're fine. He's really nice. She's nicer than the other Christian girl. Right. We're not saying they're not a nice, beautiful person right. made in the image of God. What we're saying is it slowly chips away at your... It's not... You don't have a partner mm-hmm. in this. And and then it even, even says, and what is the one God seeking? Godly offspring. Right. And so if you have children... Again, he's speaking like metaphorically, but he's also speaking practically. Like uh, well, We're applying are, it to actual marriage, but the I think the, the context is married to the people of God, right. and these are the priests. Right. And so the leaders are are doing this. Yeah, and so, again, you have kids in a mixed religious family. They're going to grow up with mixed messages. <clears throat> so he's saying, cleanse the garment of violence. Mm-hmm. So the garment of violence is, like, um, last night we had a soccer game, and one of the kids cut himself. He had blood all over his jersey. Mm-hmm. And the trainer was like, oh, man, we got to spray this stuff to get the blood out of it. It's going to stain because mm-hmm. white jerseys. That's the, the garment of violence is our garments are covered with death. Right. 
and that yeah. we've caused. And he mm-hmm. wants to clean that. And he says, you got to clean out idolatry in the temple. You got to preach the real word. You got to give what you're supposed to give. And then I just like the very end of chapter two. I mean, he, he talks about, because here's the reason. God created a kingdom of priests to be the messengers, not only to each other, yes. but to the whole world right. that God loves them. The creator has come to them, worship him and all will be well. Mm-hmm. But they've messed that up. And then their question is, how? How have we wearied him? Why is God mad at us? Right. And the answer is, because you call evil good. All these things I just listened to you are evil. And you're like, no, it's okay. Uh-huh. Give the blind goat. Yeah. Give, oh. You're going to throw it out anyway. Right. Regift that. Oh, uh, just change it to make it more uh, reasonable, mm-hmm. the message of God for people. Oh, just marry whoever you want. And don't worry about uh, the idolatry stuff. God, right. God, we have the temple. It's okay. And that's why he's wearied. And so then in chapter 3, you get to this great passage about the messenger. Because mm-hmm. God is saying, you failed as a, being the messenger. And the response is, oh no, we're doing it again. We just right. worked so 100 years to rebuild this temple. We got through 70 years of exile. We got through another 70 years of rebuilding. And now we're, we're, 15 ba- years after we're the- back to where we started right before we yeah, got the exiled. The same thing's going to happen. Nothing's yeah. changed. And that's why the prophet then says, here is the hope. I'm going to send a messenger, a messenger of God's word, his priestly service, his temple service, his sacrifices, his rule, his reign. And we know he describes John, basically John the Baptist, bringing a message of repentance mm-hmm. to clear the way for the gospel. But repentance comes first. And so that's why he says like this whole thing about judgment and fuller soap, like, when Christ comes, he's going to judge. Well, I'm, he, he's saying you need to enter in through repentance. Mm-hmm. And repentance is just the beginning. Right. Because then it moves into, God, forgive me, and then you are assured of your faith, and that's salvation, gospel. And so that's what he's introducing here in Malachi, but, right a couple hundred years before Christ, or maybe three, three, four hundred years. Yeah, so what we're starting to see here is there is a desperate need for something better to happen. We've rebuilt the temple, we've rebuilt the city, and yet we're still messed up. Sin is still a problem. We are incapable of being the people of God, so we need someone else to show up to cleanse us. And that's the promise in Malachi. And the people now, it's like it feels like it shifts. Maybe it's still to the priests, but it shifts, it, it shifts to, to the, the people. people. And he says, um, return to me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what do you mean return to you? We never left you. And he goes, uh, yeah, you have. You robbed me. Mm-hmm. You're robbing me. What do you mean we're robbing you? How can you rob God? And this is the great passage where it, everyone wonders about tithing. Mm-hmm. And here it is. Like This is Old Testament. You can say, oh, it doesn't apply to us anymore. Actually, it does because, well, for a lot of reasons, but the obvious reason here is that the people of God ought to be about the message of God on earth. Mm-hmm. Now, the priests and the faithful leaders, like, it's my job, I'm going to present the word of God right. and the sacrifice of Christ, and, and, and the Holy Spirit saves people, but we are to be about the word of God mm-hmm. on earth. And so the nat- normal person is support the word of God and God's reign on earth as it is now. How? Tithe. Give me the first fruits of what I provide for you. I provide the rain. I provide the things to grow. I provide your health. I give you opportunities. Give to me so that you can continue to be called back into faith and be blessed by me. And this is like the one time. I know. The one and only time 
that the Lord says, test me in this. Mm-hmm. See if you can outgive me. Right. And this is a big deal because you have explicitly God says, do not test me in the Old Testament. And you even have Jesus saying, thou shalt not test the Lord, you mm-hmm. know, when, when Satan is trying to uh, tempt Jesus. But God explicitly says here, there's one way you can test me. Support my word on earth as it is in heaven mm-hmm. and see if I won't fill your barns. Right. You cannot outgive God. Yeah, he says, uh, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will re- rebuke the devourer for you so that I will not destroy the fruits of your soil. Um, he's like, I will provide. And we can tell you from our own experience, my experience, Matt's yeah. experience, the more I give, and tenth, and the tenth, by the way, is just a starting place. Right. Yeah, I know it, most people never get to even that, but I'm saying that's the starting point. Right. And I've never... I, God takes care of cars. He takes care of air conditioning. He takes care of acts that he prevents and provides. And, and when you do suffer, he's with you. Right. Because you are about his word and his reign, his rule on earth right now. And so that's the call back to the people. And then he's like, guess what? Your king is coming. I'm sending a messenger, mm-hmm. and the, the king is coming to you because we're stopping this cycle of God raising you up, rebuilding you, you failing. Mm-hmm. It's a constant cycle. Now, you'll experience it individually, but mercy is what unlocks God's grace and right. repentance. And so as a result, the people who heard and paid attention to this, they actually had a book of remembrance. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? Yeah, well... It says, and a book of remembrance was written before the Lord of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. And the Lord, again, this is like the book of life. And the Lord's like, I will remember the people who can hear this and mm-hmm. respond. So respond. And How then we uh, respond? God have mercy. Forgive me. Oh, you're forgiven. I love you. All right. You're in the, you're, you're in the book. And then we get into chapter four, which kind of beautifully... Uh, leads us into Revelation. It does. Which is, uh, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant, all the evildoers will be stubble. And this idea of, again, when God returns, he comes with judgment and salvation. And so for those who seek to save themselves, he will burn away. And for those who look to him, he will be like a sun that's warming them. Yeah. And there will be healing and restoration for those people. And he says, I'll send Elijah, Moses and Elijah, as a symbol type of the messenger who will come back. Mm-hmm. And I just remember uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus meets Moses and Elijah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only other thing I'll say from Malachi is the sentiment was people who do evil prosper all around us. Right. And God's like, that's why God has to say, oh, oh, you think the people who do evil prosper? You're robbing me. Mm-hmm. You're neglecting me. You're, you're distancing yourself from the people you're marrying from other countries, or you think they're bad? Wake up. We all have this condition of sin. Mm-hmm. Wake up. There's hope for you. And the hope is amazing. I mean, he lays out like this great day where we will be saved. And so just know all the evil that goes on around you, God's watching. Yeah. And God longs for them to come to realization of salvation because it's not, again, it's not behavior. Sin isn't always a choice. We know. Yeah, it's a condition. It's a condition, but once you are engaging the Lord, the gift is repentance. You see it's sin, Mm -hmm. and then the gift is, 
I trust you to forgive me. Right. Malachi, preparing the way. Yeah. That's the end of uh, the prophets in the Old Testament. Wow. So, let's move in. Our New Testament reading for today is Revelation chapter 6 and chapter 7. I mean, we need hours. But <laughs> we're going to have to do the quick the quick version of yes. chapter 6 and 7, that's the highlights. But one thing we agree on is that this makes total sense after reading the Old Testament. Yes. I mean, uh, there's yeah. like no new, what? What? We've seen all these images and all these crazy things. When you only read the New Testament, you're like, wait, what? Horses and uh, what? What are these mm-hmm. things? But we make they make sense. Every single thing that is in chapter 6 and in chapter 7, we've encountered already in what we just read, Malachi, Zechariah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, They've all talked about this stuff. There is a a mention, I can't wait to get to it, of like Ezekiel's bread is brought back up, and it's not good. (laughs) So so here's how we break down chapter 6 and 7. Basically, and it kind of goes into Mm 8, but we're only going to go 6 and 7 today. But um, it's the end times now. The revelation, the vision is of the end times, and there's, surprise, seven scenes because yes. everything's yes. in seven yes. because our God is the God of creation. Yes. And that's why we still have seven days in a week. Yeah. Um, we'll get to all that. But now it's about opening up each seal, the seven seals. Yes. So the scroll uh, was given to the lamb who looked as if he had been slain. Mm-hmm. And he is now opening the seven seals. And as he opens each seal, uh, crazy things happen. Well, there, yeah. That's what you're, we're going to learn. Um, okay. With the but, first force, yeah. But to, again, to give it context, mm-hmm. if you look at it as the scroll is this, like the salvation, the restoration of all things, and the seals are the law. Mm-hmm. And things are, and the Jesus has paid the price, so he is able to open up these seals, but the law is still in effect yes. for those who are not under the blood of Christ. And so what we're seeing, what I think is what is happening, is the law is being poured out on those who are against Christ. And things are being refined. So we have the day of judgment and salvation. And so just like we read in Malachi where the evildoers, the unrighteous, are going to be burned up, this is what we're going to see as each seal is unlocked. I know this is hard to believe in a world, but what this is saying is, all hell is going to be breaking loose. And Jesus holds the key to that. And so even right now, there's natural grace over people who do good Mm -hmm. or bad so that the rain falls on their crops, right? Mm -hmm. So you're seeing the seals being broken is a big deal because the only one who can do it is the one who can also save everything. Yes. And so he's opening up these seals, allowing all hell to break loose on earth. Right. Through, Through the systems that are already in place, we see hints of it, but when it's fully open... Yeah. It's going to be very scary. So the first seal, you have a, a white horse. And it sounds like it's Christ because it's a conqueror, but it's not. It's because not. Um, Because he's opening the seal. And we'll I'll have to go quick through these because we're already going to go Yeah, and it. again, we've seen these horses show up in Daniel. Yes. Um, but now they are fully active. So there's... They're an- being activated. Angelic forces that are in charge of these things mm-hmm. that God allows because, again, the deal was we're under the curse of death. Yes. And so he's been holding them back in, yes. in an act of grace. 
but at the end, everything is gonna be purified. So the first one is there's a white horse. The first seal unleashes a white horse. And the first creature, remember the four creatures, the mm-hmm. watchers, mm-hmm. says, come, it's mm-hmm. time. So the four corners of the earth, the one guy says, come. And this white horse is a symbol. I saw it as um, basically all the t- tyrants, tyranny mm-hmm. and conquerors. Mm-hmm. That spirit of conquering through violence and mm-hmm. taking over is unleashed. Yes. So tyrants are unleashed, yes. bad leaders. Then the red horse comes and the second creature says, Come. And this is where the horse, where all peace is yes. taken away and people are killing each other. Yeah. So, so. all the violence in man is mm-hmm. unleashed. Yes. Third horse, black horse, creature three. Uh, it's from the creatures, but then we kind of learn next it's creature three because yeah. creature four does the yeah. next horse. But this is economic ruin. Mm-hmm. So famine, the scales of, um, of balancing what's fair. And this is the reference to Ezekiel where it's yeah. the, uh, the, they weigh the bread of death and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're eating the Ezekiel bread of exile now because the economy is crashed. Right. The pale horse is unleashed, and that's creature four is like, come. And this is death. Death followed by Hades. Right. So the abode of death is mm-hmm. given reign. So famine, pestilence, beasts, and it's given permission to take one-fourth of the world. Mm-hmm. One-fourth. It gets the fourth. So the four watchers, the four corners of the earth, and death and Hades finally are released to get a, a fourth of it. Mm-hmm. Because remember, this is what the world deserves. It should have been thrown in that trash heap as soon as Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Right. So everything's in God's grace. Right. And now, not until Christ has taken every, care of everything, he starts to open these. The fifth seal. Yes, is opened. Now this one, there's no more creatures. Mm-hmm. And this is not, uh, there's no more horses. Right. Those go with the four corners, mm-hmm. right? This is a vision now of the altar of God where the martyrs... Right, are underneath. The martyrs are underneath the altar, which is so cool, underneath the shed blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. And they're crying out... For vengeance. How long? When will you avenge the people who have murdered us and murdered the future people and the past people for Christ's sake? Yes. And Christ hears their prayers on the altar. You kind of note here where we hear God hears our prayers... And we pray for one another, but mm-hmm. these are the martyrs, and they're crying out for justice and for the wrath of. Oh no, I'm sorry. For uh, they they will get white robes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so he's. They say the and cleansed. Yeah. yeah. So what's being told to them is like, just be patient. Wait. We're gonna wait until we've gathered all your brothers and sisters together. Like. We're waiting for everyone to come. Which is what Peter says. Like, why is God taking so long? I thought he was coming Mm -hmm. back. Because he's gracious. He's withholding these seals. Mm -hmm. These things that you sense in your heart and mind. Like, why aren't there more earthquakes? Right. That's the fifth. Then the sixth seal. and This is the earth. Basically, the earth is thrown into chaos. And These are our characters. And everyone runs and hides from the upheaval of the earth. Yeah, this is the uh, where it's so bad, the natural mm-hmm. disasters are finally imploding that people are crying out. They they don't want to. F- I thought about this. It says they're crying out for fear of God's face mm-hmm. and the wrath of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus cares about justice. Right. He doesn't just say, "Oh well, you murdered and you stole and you oppressed." Ha <laughs> ha. No, no, he's gonna take care of it. And if you don't get yourself under the blood of the Lamb. No, he, he showed up first on a donkey. Right. He played nice at the beginning. 
and he will come again, but on a warhorse. And the question is, oh yeah, so they would rather die, people would rather die than see the face of God. So they're mm-hmm. saying, rocks fall on me. And it made me think of the Aaronic blessing given to the people of God. May yeah. God's face turn towards you and be yeah. gracious and shine on you and, and give you peace. But instead, people are like, just kill me because I don't want to face this God. Yes. Who can stand? The answer is, no one can stand. All right. But that's where chapter 7 comes in. It's so good. Yes, and so before the seventh seal is broken, there's four angels holding back the destruction of the earth, the winds of the earth that would just blow everything into chaos. Right. And the Lord, is. they're told to not harm anything on earth or sea until all of God's chosen people have been marked with his seal. See, there's seals on, po- on top of seals. So as all hell is breaking loose with the breaking of the seals, mm-hmm. God's people are being sealed, like we saw in Ezekiel, with the sign of the yes. cross on their forehead, something we do at baptism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he is... So now we get the mark of God which is on important his people. Because everyone loves to talk about the mark of the, the beast, beast, which will come up later. We'll talk about that in next, later episodes about the counterfeit. Yeah. But the original is, is the mark of God. The mark of God. And again, remember, we saw this in Ezekiel where the man with the angel with the scribe thing would yeah. go through and he marked everyone with a cross on their forehead. It's so and beautiful. So again, God is protecting and sealing his people. Perfect. So this is between the sixth and the seventh seal. Yes. And so this is now showing the preparation for God's people. Mm-hmm. Like all hell is breaking loose in all realms, yes. but you are my sealed people. Yes. And then there's a scene where all nations, yes, white robes, palm branches around the throne, angels, oh, elders, yeah, watchers. Yeah. Is that? Oh, yeah. I missed this, the 144. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and again, so they drop like the number of the people sealed is 144,000. That again is a very figurative number of completion. Yes. And it's basically the complete people of God, old and new, to before and, and after, after Christ, will be saved. And this is. Uh, reiterated by it's not a literal 144 because as he looks after everyone is sealed he looks around and he's like it was a great multitude beyond count no one could number and they all were wearing white robes which at this point white robes are baptismal robes Christ righteousness Mm -hmm. and and then uh, they're all wearing they're all holding uh, palm fronds and shouting Hosanna I know it's the perfect uh, triumphal entry. Yeah. Well, and the garments that are put on us are necessary because our garments are of violence. Yeah. And what we live in now because we're surrounded by death. Yes. And death will be wiped away. And there they are waving their palm branches, mm-hmm. Hosanna. And not only the people of all nations, all tribes, all languages around the throne, but angels. Yes. Elder, the 24 elders are there and the four watchers are there. Mm-hmm. And they're all worshiping. And I just love the songs that they're singing. Uh, I'm going to start incorporating them in my own prayers. But they're saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then again, it's like, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, and I do love the... uh, So then one of the elders actually asks Mm -hmm. John, um, do you know who these people are who are clothed in white robes. And John's like, "Uh, you know who they are. He's like, these are all the people who've made it through the tribulation, which is the fire of God's judgment. Right. Those who were not burned up by God's judgment are saved. And including 
all who you you die. Yeah. And that's just the curse destroys you, mm-hmm. but you are raised back up. Yeah. So all who have been marked by God and they are here. And then he gives the beautiful, um, they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Mm-hmm. It's like this beautiful irony. Right. Like we're covered in death and the blood of our own sins and violence, but it's the blood of Christ that then purifies our robes. Right. And then, therefore, they all, I, I guess I'll just read it. They are, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. My favorite is coming up. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, because mm-hmm. I sunburn so bad. Yep. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Does that sound confusing or sad or crazy to you? No. It sounds awesome. It sounds great. And that's the point. Of revelation, this is the appearing of God's final plan being revealed to us. We've seen it happen over and over again where God promises to build the temple, restore his people, mm-hmm. to be with them, to provide for them. But now he's going to do it in an act of finality forever and ever. Mm-hmm. The cycle will be broken. Right. So when we get our sixth, seventh, eighth temple, we're not like, oh no, we're doing the same things like Malachi said. Right. We're settled, we're sealed, and God's righteous righteous judgment is poured out but because we've been recreated by the holy spirit we can withstand the flames of the kiln and come out a beautiful piece of pottery yeah purified instead of burned away we're completely purified praise god and then i'm saying with with all the elders and with all the the watchers and all the angels come lord jesus come i'm starting to pray that more and more why not not in a weird sense like i'm scared but just you know what lord be cool if came and did all this now. Our psalm for today is Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirit faints within me, my heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands, I stretch out my hands to you, my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails, hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down in the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for I lift For to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. In your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies. You will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.